0: Hi, I'm Stephanie Poole, founder and CEO of Birth Prep Academy. I'm on a mission to help pregnant moms prepare for their first hospital birth. I'm sharing revealing conversations about what it really takes to successfully transition into motherhood. So join me here to discover things like what to expect in childbirth, how to prepare for your birth. We'll also talk about breastfeeding and so much more. I'm so grateful to share it all with you right here on Oh Baby, the podcast created for pregnant moms preparing for their first hospital birth let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Oh Baby podcast. As I normally say, a new day, a new week, a new episode. If you are new here, my name is Stephanie Poole. I am the founder and CEO of Birth Prep Academy. I'm also the creator of Bump to Bundle Blueprint, where I help first-time moms prepare for their very first hospital birth in six weeks by creating a birth blueprint. If you're new here, that's who I am. But if you have been around for a few episodes and you decided to come back and join me today, you make my heart happy. Thank you and welcome, welcome, welcome to everyone. Y'all, this is a juicy episode. Now, I typically specialize in helping first-time moms, right, with their transition into motherhood. That is what we do. However, this episode is, y'all, it's good. And if you happen to have stumbled upon this particular episode and you're pregnant, this episode is for you. Because it doesn't matter if you are birthing at home, if you're birthing in the hospital. It doesn't matter if you're using a midwife or a doctor. None of that matters today, right? We're going to talk about the six things that affects how your cervix dilate. And so regardless of your birth situation or your environment, regardless of all the other pre-qualifying conditions... that usually occur around my content, this one is going to be good for you. So you definitely want to stay tuned and pay attention. You will likely go back and rewind this episode so you can really take in some of the things that I'm going to be dropping today because I got a lot of gems for you. Now, before we jump in, you guys know that I love to do a segment called What Up No. And in the segment, we pretty much talk about just regular old stuff, y'all. Stuff that's going on in the news, in my life, different interests, frustrations, whatever, whatever happens to come to mind. In today's segment, I want to talk about morning routines. I was sitting here and I was literally thinking about what I was going to talk about during this segment and the thing that popped up was morning routines. So I want to know, do you guys have morning routines? And if so, what do they consist of? I personally do have somewhat of a morning routine, but I, okay, so this is a good place to just be honest and transparent and say I have been struggling with it recently. I used to be just innately a morning person. I just, that was always my jam. And then, I don't know, recently, I, I would say in the last year or so, it's always kind of gone back and forth. Let, let, let me back up a minute. I've innately been a morning person for most of my life, and but there have been periods where it's been really hard to get up in the morning. I remember when I was with each of the kids when they were babies, newborns, of course, your nights are all jumbled around so your mornings are are rough, right? And so those periods of time, my morning routine would often fall by the wayside. However, my kids are a little older now, so that's not really an issue in terms of being up with them at night. But for whatever reason, I've just been struggling with rolling out of bed in the morning. But let me say this on a good day, right, when I am prepared and ready for my day, getting up at about anywhere between four and five is where I get the most done. Four is ideal, but very tough to do. Five is a little bit more doable. So that's always a thing, but I don't get as much done. So when I get up, I normally, some of the things that are in my morning routine, and I wanna hear from you. I wanna hear what's in your morning routine. Mine is usually pretty simple. I always try to do like a morning prayer and devotion. I actually have a book, a morning devotional book, a scripture book. So I usually will read scripture and write out a few things in that journal, everything has been off. Even that part has been off. So I can tell like I I really need to focus and probably re-ground myself in, in a few of these things. But I usually do that. And then working out. So getting on the treadmill or something of the sort, putting on a workout video, which I kind of go back and forth with that as well. Some mornings, it's really easy to roll right into a workout. Other mornings, it's kind of hard to get in an intense workout so early in the morning before I've started moving and into my day. So yeah, there's that. And then I like to do a focus block of work. So in an ideal morning, if I get up at like 4, 4.30, I like to do those things and then hop into a quick focus block before my kids get up. And for me, a focus block is when I have a minimum of an hour where I can get some business tasks done. If I can get that focus block in before I even take them to school, that really gives me a jump start on my day. So I definitely see the value in like those three core pillar things being done in the morning before my kids get up, before I have to run them to school. But it's been a struggle. I'm just being honest. And so, yeah. What do you do? What is your motivation? I know, I've listen, I've read a lot of books about it, and I know that it's very beneficial to actually start the night before doing a lot of prep work. And when I do, I actually do feel better. So I will say this, I'm going to take the action of trying to maybe do a habit tracker for at least a month where I'm preparing my mornings at night and see will that help me to get over this slump I've been in lately with with my morning routine. So that is something that's going on with me today. I know it's real simple, y'all, but that's where I'm at. So. And that's what I have to give. So let me know. I am always active, most active over on Instagram at Birth Prep Academy. So jump on over there. Shoot me a DM. Let me know what your morning routine looks like. Do you have one? And if so, what does it look like? What do you do in the morning? What gets you going and focused for a productive day? I want to know. I want to hear from you. That is what I have for today. Now let's jump into the episode. Hi, Mama. Got an empty hospital bag? No birth plan? Or how about this? You want to make a birth plan, but don't know where to start? No problem. Today's episode is brought to you by Bump to Bundle Blueprint, an online program designed to help you create a stress-free birth blueprint in six weeks or less. Listen, if you think you need help preparing for your baby's arrival, you absolutely do. Check out our wildly popular free masterclass titled Three Mistakes First-Time Moms Make When Preparing for Birth and What to Do Instead. This masterclass is chunked full of all kinds of valuable information, like my three-step framework for creating a stress-free birth plan, the number one way to have a positive birth experience, and the Secret to transitioning into motherhood like a boss. If you're pregnant and want to learn more about our proven method to help you prepare for your first hospital birth, click the link in the show notes. See you there. Hey there. We are jumping into the episode. We are going to be talking about the things that affect how your cervix dilates. Now, the reason why this is going to be so juicy is because if you're pregnant, you need to know this stuff. It makes laboring a lot, more informed, especially when it comes to your decisions and how you labor and and things like that, it makes the birth experience a little bit more comfortable for you because you have a full working knowledge of what it takes to get the baby here instead of going into it blindly. So this is going to be definitely one of those ones, the episodes that you save, that you click like and put in your favorites so you can come back to this over and over and over again until you give birth because this is going to be some fundamental information that will be helpful for you regardless of your birth setting, be it at home or in the hospital. And so I'm excited about that. Let's jump into the very first thing that affects how your cervix dilates is something that you may have heard, but I'm going to confirm right now that it depends on which number of baby this is for you. In other words, have you had a baby before? Is this baby number one, baby number two? Most of my listeners are new moms, meaning that this is their first pregnancy, their first baby. In that case, it typically takes a little bit longer for your cervix to dilate and that is because it's new and your body has to get into the mechanics of having a baby. It's never done it before. There's no point of reference and so if this is baby number one, it may take a little bit longer. Of course, there's always going to be an anomaly. There's always going to be some nuances, some differences. Everybody's birth story is a little bit different, but you will find that it is common or often said that women who have never given birth before, it takes them a little bit longer for their cervix to open up and start to dilate. So that's one thing that could affect how your cervix dilate. Another thing, number two, is the strength of your contractions. And what I mean by that is your uterus, when it's contracting, it is pushing pressure down on your cervix. It's pushing the baby down further and further into the birth canal when you have good, strong contractions. So while it may really give you a high level of intense discomfort while that contraction is going on, mentally, you should know. This is good because it means that, you know, more pressure is being added to push the baby down further and further onto the cervix, which will help it to in turn dilate. So that is definitely a factor, right? How frequent and how strong those contractions are coming in. Now, with that being said, I'm going to kind of put a pause in here and say that for a lot of these things, especially everything that I'm going to go into now after number two, including number two, so your contractions and some of the other things I'm going to name, it is very important that you try to labor in a position that will work with gravity. So sitting up to labor versus laying back on your back, being on a ball, a bouncing ball, a pregnancy bouncing ball to labor will help with getting the baby into that cervix, that birthing canal, right? Standing up and having a rocking or swaying motion will also help these things because the more help you have with getting that baby down and producing that pressure with the contractions, everything that works to lend a helping hand with that is going to get your dilation going. And the more dilated you are, the further along you will be in your laboring process. And the sooner you'll be able to push in active labor and get the baby out through transition. Okay? So just keep that in mind that all of these things should be done in conjunction with sitting up, moving about, that swaying, things that will work with gravity to get the baby down and into the birth canal. All right, so number three is your baby's presentation. And what I mean by presentation is how is the baby sitting in your uterus? Is his bottom on your cervix or is his head on your cervix? That makes a difference. If you are going into labor, you definitely want the baby to be head down, right? head and shoulders down. And the reason for that is because the pressure from the head sitting on that cervix is going to help with dilating. And the dilation is going to, of course, push you further into your labor right? If you have something as soft as a as the baby's bottom, it doesn't create enough pressure and there will be breach, right? Which can cause some problems in terms of having the baby through the birth canal. So there's some other concerns as to why you wouldn't necessarily want your baby to be breach or in breach position giving birth. All of those things are beyond this episode. For the purpose of this episode, we're talking about having the baby head and shoulders down where they are the first thing that's going to come through that birth canal when you start to push. And the baby's head creates enough pressure to help you dilate. So number three is the baby's presentation or the position. The next one I'm going to talk about is the labor and the induction of labor medication. So it is important to know that if you are given prostaglandins or oxytocin, those things will create stronger, more frequent contractions. And if you remember, we talked about those being necessary to help push the baby down, right? In conjunction with gravity, it helps to push And get that baby right on the cervix, which helps to open and dilate. So the induction of those medications, if needed, Um, a lot of times our body does it completely on its own. Ideal situation, you will not need those interventions because you will naturally go into labor and you will naturally progress as some of these things take place. But I wanted to cover this particular one because I do specialize in women who choose to give birth either in a birthing center or a hospital. And so those interventions are available and may be used. And so I want you to be Informed, right? That if these things are introduced, you can expect strong, frequent contractions. And that is in hopes that you will then progress with your dilation, which will help in your transition of birth, okay? And delivery. The next one I want to talk about is uh, your birth environment, right? Your birth environment is so important and yet so underrated. People. I think sometimes feel like people assume that I talk about it a lot as a benefit to me. It is not. It is what I know for a fact is so crucial when it comes to having a baby and having a positive birth experience. It is not necessary, right? There's people all over the world who give birth in very non-ideal birth environments and they successfully give birth and they move on and life continues, right? But we know that women who have a positive birth environment, which I have another episode, I talked about it specifically, like things that you can do to really prepare for a positive birth environment, I will link that in the show notes. So be sure to check that out if you want the specifics of how to create that. But when you have a positive birth environment, for the sake of this episode, when we talk about dilation, it helps you to be more relaxed. The more relaxed you are, the less stress that your body has, because even if you're unconscious of it, there is a level of stress you have when your birth environment is not conducive to what aligns with you and your birthing wishes. And what I mean by that one example is if you have a lot of people coming in and out or a lot of people in the birthing area, it makes a difference versus when things are quiet and more calm. The the lights are dim. You know, those types of things will help you even when you don't realize it, even when you're not actively doing anything to influence those results, you'll find that your body will relax and allow you to really be focused and be present on laboring. And all of that will help you to dilate, to get that cervix open so that you can begin to push so you can meet your sweet baby. Y'all, it's so important. So absolutely go back and check out the other episode where I talk about it in more detail. But having a positive birth environment is absolutely huge. Now, I just want to go back and add that when I talk about the baby's presentation and your baby's head position, because another thing we need to talk about is the head position. So we need to make sure that your baby should be facing down. right? And the head and nose as it's coming out should be ideally just flexed, right? Where it's not a lot of pressure and the baby is not in an awkward position for the head and for the neck. That can cause problems for the baby and it can also cause problems for how you feel the baby coming out. So that pressure can get to be really intense if the baby is improperly placed in the pelvic area. So you definitely want to do what you can to really get that motion, that swaying going so that you can help the baby to move down in a gentle way, sitting up or standing up to really work with gravity and pulling the baby down. All of these things will help. Just to go over what we said as a brief recap, you, it depends on what number baby is. Is it your first? Is it your third? Once you have a baby, it's almost like riding a bike. So the next time you have a baby, your body will have a point of reference as far as what to do in this situation. And so it often happens a lot sooner with pregnancy. You'll find that women who've had four kids, they barely can get to the hospital before the baby is born because their body just knows what to do. There's less resistance. And so it is a lot easier for them. So that plays a part. The strength and frequency of your contractions plays a part. Your baby's presentation and your baby's head position plays a part. The induction of any type of labor medication may play a part in terms of your ability to dilate. And then also your birth environment. I hope that this helps. Make sure you go back, you rewind, you check out the other episode where I talk specifically about the birth environment and what to do. But just know that these could potentially affect how your cervix dilates and knowing these things ahead of time will help you as you begin to labor, right? Because if you find yourself leaning back and laying down, which may be necessary for some time, You'll eventually come around to saying, okay, I need to sit up for a little while. I need to get back to standing in between my contractions and getting my swaying motion going and all of the things to help that dilation process progress so that you can meet your sweet baby. I hope this helps. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. Until next time, happy birthing. Bye y'all.